Writing Matters with Dr. Troy Hicks is a writable podcast. Find more episodes and subscribe on your favorite platforms. And if you want to learn how to grow great writers, check out writable.com. In this episode of Writing Matters, we speak with Richard Byrne. Richard is the blogger who is behind Free Tech for Teachers and Practical EdTech, as well as his more recent passion project, EdTech Fitness. He began his career as a social studies teacher and has been educational consultant and keynoter for nearly the last decade. He is just now returning to the classroom teaching computer science. Welcome to Writing Matters. Today we're speaking with Richard Byrne, who is the blogger and educator behind Free Technology for Teachers, which is now 12 years old. He has a new initiative called EdTech Fitness, and just this year is returning back to teach computer science in the classroom. Welcome, Richard. Thanks for having me, Troy. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. I think we were joking a little bit before the show. We've, we've passed each other at least once at a conference, and it's nice to be able to have a little bit more time to talk today. So, Yeah, conferences are, are, tr- are tricky that way. You know, you, you shake a lot of hands, and then you try to remember everybody. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But I I feel like I know you through your massive social media presence, all the great things that you put out on free tech for teachers. As I was saying, you just did a a screencast on story maps, which is a tool that I've liked to use a little bit more often as we're thinking about both traditional literacies as well as spatial literacies and all that. But before we start talking tech and all that, tell us a little bit about your educational path. How did you get to where you're at today? Uh, well, I, 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 teaching is in my family. My, my, both of my grandparents were teachers. My grandfather was a headmaster of a, of a school. My father was a teacher briefly. Uh, two of my uncles have been teachers at different times in their careers. So I, I kind of fell into the family business, if you will. Uh, and, you know, for my own, uh, my own background, I, I went to school to be a history major thinking I would go to law school. Uh, Along the way, I got a job at FedEx, which included uh, doing some corporate training type of work. And uh, as a 23-year-old, I realized that FedEx paid me way more money than a 23-year-old should have. So I uh, I quit and uh, went back to school and became a uh, social studies teacher and did that for the better part of 10 years. And uh, that grew into writing free technology for teachers, which I started as a, uh, as really a hobby project, an offshoot of a workshop that I went to. And uh, for the last eight years, I, I mostly just worked with schools around the world on implementing technology. Uh, and just this past fall, uh, I was offered a, a job to teach computer science. Uh, I wasn't looking for a job. I wasn't looking for a computer science teaching job. It just kind of fell in my lap, and I thought that'd be something new and uh, a new thing to to do and to try. And it's uh, an area that I have interest in, so I'm going for it. So that's that's the last uh, 41 years in a nutshell. <laughs> that's amazing. So tell us just a little bit about what day to day life looks like for you as a computer science teacher. Uh, of course. Uh, uh, Listeners to this podcast are thinking about the teaching of writing broadly, but maybe you could talk a little bit about computer science and connections to literacy and how you see your day-to-day work. 
Well, so I'm glad you brought that up because this is something that I, I am brand new to. I have uh, zero background in teaching computer science as a course. You know, obviously I've done a lot of work with, with coding and, and programming in the context of general K-12 curricula, but not specifically just teaching a tech school course where kids say, I want to learn about computer science. So it's been, it, it's new and uh, for me in terms of trying to incorporate uh, teaching not just the technical skills, but more of the problem solving skills and trying to frame how do you use the skills in the context of bigger problems? Uh, you know, one of the things that, I, that I'm doing with uh, an intro course right now is thinking about, uh, okay, well, so we're going to, we're, we're working through the code.org uh, curriculum is actually what we're using. And, and that's good. And it's, it's great. It's a great program. Uh, you know, easy to follow for anyone who's never taught programming before or doesn't have a whole lot of background in it. It's really easy to follow. But without the context of how does this fit into the world, uh, it, it really just kind of operates in a vacuum. Right? And so I, uh, what, what I've been trying to focus kids on is thinking about how do I apply my skills to problems that really exist in the world, which is, something that, which is the same thing that we've, we've always done in education, right? You know, uh, you know, I taught social studies for 10 years. I left out the, the one year that I taught language arts to ninth graders. Uh, and, you know, trying to... Probably good to forget that one, it sounds like, maybe. Uh, no, 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 no. That was actually my first public school job was, uh, was okay. teaching language arts to ninth Great. grade students. But, you know, w with any, anything you teach to high school students, or any students, but, most, but you know, my background is in high school. There's always the question of when are we going to use this, right? You know, you always hear that in math. You hear this in his, Mr. Byrne, why do we need to know about the War of 1812? You know, and so you're always trying to figure out how does this fit into the context of today's teenager, today's child? Like, where does this fit? And it just happens to be that computer science is forefront because our students are picking up their cell phones every 10 seconds and they're picking up, you know, they're opening their computers. Um, so I'm always trying to fit, fit anything that we do into the context of how does this help you solve a problem moving forward? So I don't know if that answers your question at all. It's just kind of my rant about it. <laughs> oh, well, I, th I think what I hear you saying is the, this, this notion of there's some inquiry and some problem-based learning and let's keep it real. Let's keep coming back to these questions that we have about what these tools are, how they work, how they fit into our lives, how we make them work better. Yeah, well, and you may have just heard me dig into my dig into my backpack because I'm a 41 year old teenager. Uh, <laughs> I have a backpack, and I actually surprised my students with a copy of the book "Everybody Lies." I'm not sure if you read this or not. Um, New to me. So you know, it's about big data and what the internet, as it, as the title says big data and what the internet can tell us about who we really are. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not heavy reading by any stretch of the imagination for an adult, uh, you know, for an adult listening to this, you know, it's 275 pages or so, but I gave this to freshmen in the intro to computer science course. And they're like, Oh, we didn't think we were gonna have to read. <laughs> we didn't think there was going to be reading involved in the, in this class. Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, one of the ways that you know, I always try to approach kids is, you know, we have 
you have these skills that are going to carry over from class to class or from occupation to occupation, right? Like you, you've got to read, you know, the, no matter what you got to read. You know, my own personal interest right now is in uh, options trading. So I've been doing a ton of reading about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm always reading, right? And no matter what the topic is, you got to keep reading. Uh, uh, I was just reading, um, speaking of reading, I'm just reading a, an article by Jason Calcanis, who is a big Silicon Valley venture capitalist. And yeah, he says, one of the mistakes that a lot of people make is they don't keep reading. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, if you want to get wealthy, keep reading. Mm. Because you, you know, and, and it's so true. You know, it doesn't matter what the content area is. You know, pick whatever content area you want. But if you don't keep reading, you just get stale. You know, you just and I, and, I'm, and when I say keep reading, I mean like actually read a book. Not, you know, it's one. It's one thing to scroll through your phone like, oh, I found this interesting article that my friend shared on Facebook. And so you read that for 30 seconds. That's not reading. That's browsing or scanning. I, I actually read a book. You know, I'm a big fan of paperback books or hardcover books. I have tons and tons of them um, because it, it just stimulates so many ideas. I can't tell you how, you know, I've read a thousand blog posts a year. I can't tell you how many of those are stimulated by having read something in a book that's not even related to necessarily education or technology. You know, I've, the other book I have on my desk right now is the Teddy Roosevelt book about uh, the naturalist. Uh, Great. And, you know, I, I can't get through the books quickly because I get so many ideas as I'm reading the book. Yeah. 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 Well, I have so many questions about how you move from reading to writing, but I also think this might be a nice tie to your new initiative with the EdTech Fitness. Um, You've, created a new website and blog where you're trying to document your own relationship to technology and mindfulness and the ways in which you're using technology. Tell us a little bit more about where you're at with your thinking on this EdTech fitness initiative. So this is, and I'm glad we ended up delaying the recording of this podcast. I was talking to somebody else about this this morning. And uh, it's one of those things where I started to think about uh, part part of it is uh, part of it is self-serving. I will, I will say that a lot. Part of it is self-serving in that I woke up the day after my 40th birthday and realized I'd gained 30 pounds and didn't like the way that I was living. Um, and so I kind of set this goal of you know resetting myself. I'd always been kind of a competitive athlete, um, not successfully, but competitive. Uh, <laughs> and so one of the to get myself back in shape, and so I started the started the blog partly as accountability, uh, but also as a way to think about you know how we can use technology in ways that you know brings back some of that balance in our lives as educators. Uh, you know, I I look around and a lot of times I see someone's a really good edu- really great teacher but is not necessarily taking care of themselves. You know, they're taking care of their mm-hmm. students all the time, but not taking care of themselves. And I think that's a really important, really important thing to do is to try to take care of ourselves. Uh, so I started the EdTech Fitness to try to, uh, you know, keep myself motivated, but also to keep other people motivated or, or to inspire other people. And it's really a passion project. Um, you know, there's 350 or so people on the mailing list and, you know, they, 
every week I send out a little challenge of, and, and they're a little challenges. You know, this week's challenge is exercise for 20 minutes, five times in the next seven days. And that exercise could be anything. It could be go for a walk without your phone. It could be, you know, wh- whatever pace you're at, you know, the week before was make sure you drink water uh, throughout the day, you know, just little things like that to help you take care of yourself. Uh, because I, as I said on the, on the masthead of the, of the blog, you know, if you feel better, you're going to teach better. Mm-hmm. I know from my own experience, uh, you know, when I was not feeling great, it's really hard to take care of your students. You know, it's, it it's really hard to give you the best of you to your students when you're not feeling your best either. So, yeah. so that's where that, that's where that came from. And, and it's a, it's a passion. Like I said, it's a passion project. It's not anything. I am not a fitness expert by any stretch of anyone's imagination. Uh, it's really just trying to build a community of people who are also interested in trying to take care of, take care of ourselves and you know, in turn, take care of our students. I can certainly appreciate that. And it resonates for my mid forties experience too, to think <laughs> that we, we definitely want to take care of ourselves if we want to be around to do the good work that we're doing. So in keeping with that kind of idea of, of what you do and how you use writing as a tool for your own inquiry and creativity and motivation, you said you write over a thousand posts a year. You also create screencasts for all these tools, which is another form of digital writing. How do you see writing as part of your professional identity? that's almost all of it really. <laughs> uh, so I never set out to be a writer. Uh, that wasn't, uh, and I, and I would still say I'm not a writer. I'm a blogger. Uh, you know, a writer to me is, is someone like Stephen King who sits down and that's all he does or, all, you know, just sits down and writes these, these great things. I never set out to be a writer. In fact, I would, I would say that I'm not a good writer. Uh, I'm just a frequent writer. Um, but part of it is really uh, a way for me to remember things uh, and a way for me to process them. You know, uh, I, I often say that if I don't write about it, I won't remember it. Uh, mm-hmm. People will, will say to me, oh, you, you mentioned X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, mm, let me go look at my, my archives. Did I, did I actually write about it? Did I say something about it? Uh, so for me, a lot of it is just have, creating a record of of what I'm doing. Uh, and even if I didn't have the blo- didn't have a blog, I would still be doing it. I have. N- I wish I could flip around my my computer to show you. I have <laughs> stacks of notebooks of things that I've just written in my notebooks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just write. I just write notebooks, and you know, I I write in the margins of. That's part of the reason why I like physical books is I write in the margins of books all the time. Uh, I was doing that earlier today. I was you know, just taking notes in the, taking notes in a book. Uh, it, that, you know, writing is really a, just a, a way of facilitating thinking, you know, and getting, you know, getting my ideas out there. Uh, what's funny about the work I've done for the last eight years, and anyone who's seen me speak probably can attest to this, I don't have speaker notes for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. People will ask me for, for speaker notes or copies of my slides from a presentation like you can look at the slides but they're not going to mean a whole lot because i don't have a whole lot of speaker notes in them because all of my notes are things that i've written down uh, they're sure. all they're all notes that i've written in a 
in a Word doc or a Google doc. Uh, often they're in a Word docs because I often, I will, when I'm writing, a, writing up the script for a presentation, I will often mm -hmm. do it uh, offline so that I'm not yeah. distracted. Uh, but yeah, the writing is really about the, the thinking for me. Well, it's really interesting to hear you say that because the one time I was fortunate enough to be at one of your keynote presentations, I can understand what you're saying, having watched you do that and doing a lot of presenting myself. Like you made specific teaching moves during that keynote. It wasn't just a, I'm going to stand here and talk at you for 45 minutes. It was, let's get you talking to one another. Let's think about this content. Now let's use this tool to make some responses. Uh, it might've been like a poll everywhere or something like that. And I, I, I can appreciate what you're saying. You use the writing as a way to synthesize your own thinking that then prepares you to do more speaking and writing and thinking, which is, which is pretty cool. So one big question I have for you is this idea of how you figure out what you're going to write about, because we all know there are tens of thousands of ed tech tools even of the thousands that you've reviewed on your website, I'm sure there are another two or five that you looked at and didn't review. How does something make the cut? How does, what's your thinking process as you're thinking about a tool and what's going to be useful for teachers and the way in which you would want them to emulate what you're sharing on the blog in their own classrooms? So I need to preface this by saying that my, my thinking on this has changed over the last couple of years. Uh, oh, good. But, but for a long time, it was, I would look at a tool and say to myself, okay, can I see this fitting into the classroom of the most difficult teacher I know? The, the most stuck in the mud, I don't want to give up my overhead transparency teacher. Can I see it fitting into that classroom? Can the, can they figure it out? Can they see a purpose for it in 15 or 20 minutes. You know, if they spend 15 or 20 minutes with it, can they see how it might work in the classroom uh, and see how it might be a benefit to this, more importantly, see how it might be a benefit to the students in the classroom. And so for a long time, that was kind of my thinking about it. Uh, you know, it does, does it basically comes down to, did it, did it solve a problem? Right? Uh, and that's partly a, partly a function of when I started blogging, was that we had all the this huge proliferation of web web 2.0 tools, which is kind of a dated mm -hmm. term now, but this huge mm -hmm. proliferation of tools, and some of them actually did solve problems, and others were like looking for problems to solve. Um, lately, the actually the last year year or two, I've been thinking more about long term ramifications of using a tool in the classroom. Um, mm. It, which is probably why, why my blogging has slowed down a little bit. Uh, partly it's because I have two little kids at home, partly because I have other projects going on, but uh, partly it's because I'm not looking necessarily so much for solving. I'm still looking for problems. I'm still looking for solving problems with tools, but looking more as a long-term effect of using a tool in a classroom. Uh, you know, we, we all have access to Google Docs or you know, those sorts of tools now, wikis, blogs, like that stuff's all kind of passe. It's all assumed that we're going to be able to do that stuff now. Uh, now looking more at like the, will this tool have an impact on a student that they can carry on two or three years down the road and not just 
I was always, I was looking for more short-term solutions in the past, and now I'm looking for longer-term solutions. Uh, probably the best way to sum this up is to take a tool like, and I don't want to, I'm not trying not to bash any tool here, but I guess right. like Kahoot or quizzes or something like that, which were the darlings of the edtech world a couple of years ago, uh, or Flipgrid, you know, which is kind of the darling of the edtech world right now. And I'm now hearing from teachers, okay, what else is there? Because I'm bored with this. Or my, not, more importantly, my students are bored with this. Like, oh, we're doing Kahoot again, right? Mm -hmm. or we're doing Flipgrid again, right? Um, and so I'm looking now at, at ways to use these tools in a way that's not going to re, re, result in students going, oh, we're doing Kahoot again, or oh, we're doing Flipgrid again. So, uh, oh, that's, so that's, that's, that's part of why my, why my thinking has changed on, on it. And uh, from the shameless commerce division of my life, the, the keynote I've been giving more than any other lately uh, is uh, called Built to Last. And it's really kind of a, an overview of the, the arc of educational technology over the last 20 years. And mm. looking at what tools have, you know, consistently ineffective in classrooms as opposed to tools that have kind of skyrocketed to the forefront of our minds and then faded away. Mm, interesting. And I, I will not put you on the spot to name any particular tools at the moment, <laughs> but I guess what I'm really curious to know is as your thinking has evolved and you, as you've explained this thinking to us today, and as you think about how you talk to teachers about it, do you have two or three, maybe four kind of key questions that you would ask of tools, maybe that you wouldn't have asked 10 years ago, but that today, when you look at a tool, you ask this instead? Uh, so one of, the things that, one of the things I still ask is, what problem does this solve? Uh, mm -hmm. And does it solve a problem that, doesn't, that isn't solved by something else already? Because right? mm -hmm. there's a lot of duplication in the market. It's a, bit, a lot of duplication in the market. So when, and I get 12 PR pitches every morning when I open my email, uh, I'm looking for the ones that solve a problem that hasn't been solved already. So there's, there's that. Uh, the other piece that I'm really looking for is something that's sustainable. And that's getting mm -hmm. back to the impact on the student two or three years down the road. Looking for things that are really sustainable in terms of not only is the company going to survive, right? Because that's important. We want this tool to still be there in two or three years, uh, sure. but sustainable in terms of can this be used in a lot of different places, places being you know, grade two, grade eight, grade 10, can it be used across the board for a lot of areas? Um, because that's, that's really an important thing for me is not just saying, this is going to be great for social studies, or this is going to be great for math, but it's going to be great for math and social studies, or it's going to be great for phys ed and social studies. Or, so looking for that kind of universal appeal. Now, there are some exceptions to that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I get emails all the time. Of, I'm looking for a way for my students to review math facts. It's fun. You know, like, okay, <laughs> yeah, we can, we, can, we can do that. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, the tools that really kind of stand out are the ones that can be used in a lot of ways in a lot of different classrooms. Uh, mm -hmm. That's why some things like, uh, like Logo, give a, give a shout out here to, to Gary Steger, who's been promoting Logo for longer than probably either one of us cares to admit. Uh, mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, programs like Logo, they're still, they're still there in, in various forms because they work. They, you know, they just work um, yeah. and, and can be used across board. Um, yeah, well, it's versatile, I think is what I'm hearing you say, is that the tool has to have some kind of versatility to it where math facts are going to come and go. They're going to be on the computer screen on a CD-ROM one year, then they're going to be on the web the next year, then they're going to be an app on an iPad the next year, and who knows what they're going to be when they're virtual reality. But right. what, what you're saying is that the tool itself has to provide the student some opportunity for creativity and expression and versatility. Yeah, well, it, yeah, and it's skill, and skill building too, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Getting yeah. kids to, you know, build their skills in showing that creativity or build those skills in problem solving or collaborative problem solving. Uh, one of the things I, that I talk about now with students in computer science is the need to be able to recognize where your own strengths are and where your own weaknesses are mm -hmm. and identifying people who have the strengths where you have weaknesses. Sure. Because anyone who's developed any kind of any kind of software or app realize will will attest to the fact that you can't do it all. Right. You can try. You can try, but uh, to really make a, a, a very viable product, you're going to have to bring in those other people, and that's part of the communication piece. That's part of the skill building. Uh, those soft skills, right? That that. Uh, and that might be that might be a reflection more of my approach to computer coming into computer science, not with a computer science background per se. You know, my my training mm -hmm. was in computer science, uh, so I'm coming into it with more of a soft skills approach as opposed to the hard skills approach. Sure, sure, that makes good sense. But uh, I think you're speaking to, again, we hear these broad claims about 21st century literacies and what are the real skills we want our students to have you want the tools that are actually going to enable them to learn not only the technical thing, but also the social thing as well. So that's really important. That's great. Well, as we come to the end of our time together, and one of the questions I've been trying to ask all our guests this season is thinking about a writing assignment that might um, work either in your context, now that you're teaching computer science, and maybe you're having your students read, maybe you're going to have them write as well. Um, or maybe just another writing assignment that you've seen or that you've tried either from your history as a social studies teacher, or you've seen other teachers try. If you had one kind of prompt or assignment that you, you might think is worth sharing with our listeners, what, what would that writing assignment be? So I love choose your own adventure stories as a writing okay. assignment. Uh, and I do it I've done it in various iterations over the years with history students. And last year I did it with a group of elementary school students and I, I've done it in various iterations, but the, the way that I like to do it now is actually through either Google slides or PowerPoint or keynote, pick your slide program of choice uh, and creating choose your adventure stories in those slides. And I like it that way because students can write out the framework for the story Mm -hmm. and, then it, and it forces them to see how all the pieces of their story come together for someone else. Right? I think one of the challenges that, that everyone has when they're writing is you have a vision or you have a, an idea in your head of how this story should play out or how the story did play out. 
But until you've wrapped in all the little variables, it's really hard for someone else to understand what you, you know. Uh, so I, I, I like doing it that way. I, I like creating choose your adventure stories in a framework of a slide navigator where kids can drag and drop the pieces together. Uh, you know, th there's a great service called Twinery. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. I've uh, just become familiar with that. I got to check it out more. Yeah, but yes. it's Twinery. It, you can use it online. You can also download this software for free. It's open source. Uh, it's not slides. It's more sticky notes for creating choose your own adventure stories. Same concept. Uh, and it's just a great way to force students into thinking about the big picture of a story. You can do it with fiction. You can do it with nonfiction. It just works across the board. That's great. Yeah, I, that just came across my radar again probably two or three weeks ago. I have the tab open. I've got to now go take a look at Twine again. So thank you. Yep. Well, yeah, well, best of luck to you as you're moving back into your, your new role again as a computer science teacher. Thank you for all the work that you do with and for teachers, uh, especially through freetechforteachers.com and practicaledtech.com and now edtechfitness.com. Um, on Twitter, it's RM Burn B Y R N E, correct? Yep, you got it. All right. And uh, again, we thank you for your time today and being on Writing Matters. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Writing Matters with Dr. Troy Hicks is a writable podcast. Discover more episodes and subscribe on your favorite streaming platforms, or check out filmed episodes on YouTube. And if you want to learn how to grow great writers, check out writable.com.